Hello and welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you to the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a sports fan perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith, Andrew McKinnis, and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. It is Thursday, June 2nd. Ian Cameron, Alex B. Smith back with us, and we have another special guest joining us on the Ice Guys show today. Happy to welcome former Washington Capitol, former Montreal Canadian uh, in the NHL for, uh, I would say, going on a decade or close to it if I had to ballpark it. Uh, but happy to have uh, NHL defenseman uh, Carl Alsner on the Ice Guys today. Carl, welcome to the Ice Guys. Glad you could join us. How are you? I'm glad I could join you too. Glad the scheduling worked out. We're going back and forth there for a while, like we talked about. But you know, it's 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 nice to talk hockey, especially especially the podcast way. It's uh, it seems to be a little bit more fun than something that's uh, live structured in front of the camera at all times. So you can it can mess up my words and not feel so bad about it. Yeah, exactly. And a podcast is a lot more free flowing. You know, it's just, you know, basically we aim for a bar and a pub atmosphere with every show here on the Ice Guys. It really is. It's laid back. It's relaxed. You can say what you want. Pretty much you can let an F-bomb or two go. It's fun. Uh, we love doing that. Uh, and of course, we get to talk all things NHL from a uh, betting perspective. So with every guest joining us for the first time, Carl, we let them talk about the hockey journey a little bit, how you got into hockey, uh, the hockey career that you uh, went on a lot of years, a lot of great years uh, with the Washington Capitals, and then uh, a little bit with the Montreal Canadiens as well. So Carl, tell us uh, all about that. Yeah, well, it was, uh, I won't, won't bore you too much with it, but it was I grew up in Burnaby, British Columbia, home of uh, Joe Sackick, which is what most people think of with Burnaby. Paul Curry was also from there too. So we had a, a pretty decent uh, hockey pedigree, I guess you could say, and, and people to look up to. Um, so yeah, I went through my minor hockey there, uh, played the WHL for the Calgary Hitmen, which was unbelievable. You get a taste of playing in an NHL rink when you're 16 years old. Um, I think it's kind of a nice, nice setup uh, springboard for a lot of guys. Plus the, the 72 game season was was pretty exciting as well. Um, so that was a good time. And then, uh, yeah, I got drafted to the Capitals in 07. Um, originally thinking that it was Washington State Capitals and not Washington, D.C. Capitals. Um, as, a, as a dumb Western Canadian, I guess, that's that's what I was thinking. And then um, was pleasantly surprised with, with the area. And I was lucky that I, I came in at a time where we were just – just uh, kind of rounding the corner and turning into a pretty, pretty solid team with, you know, Ovi was drafted two years before me, the Backstrom, then me, then Carlson and, uh, and Holtby. And all, we kind of all stayed together. Green was right in before Ovi too. So we had a really solid crew of guys. Um, and I, I think we were, we were one of the teams that, you know, in, in a, in an era where it became, everything just became so strict with training and eating and, and all this scheduling stuff, we were still one of those teams that really just had a really good time, came to the rink, and it was just fun to be there. Obviously, hockey was priority, but we, we, we didn't push aside enjoying ourselves at the rink, away from the rink, and all that stuff. Um, so I think that's what helped us a lot. And then, yeah, I played, I played here in D.C. for nine years, and then um, I left during free agency. Everyone always says they were sad that I got traded, and, and I'm like, yeah, I mean – it almost would have been better if I got traded than, than signing in, in Montreal and going from a team that ended up winning the cup the next year to, to, to Montreal, who were, I think we were 
maybe I don't even know, fourth worst in the league that year. Um, and so, so yeah, I spent three seasons in Montreal, but I, I you know, I, I guess the one thing that I can hang my, hang my hat on when I'm now that I'm done playing is that you know, I, I played a lot of games in a row, <laughs> which was a big thing for me. And played yeah, a little sport. Patrick Marlowe type of run in you. Not quite that kind of streak, but yeah, you know, that's the thing that was so frustrating is so when I when I had mine going, Andrew Cogliano was in front of us all by like 200 games. And then he had that suspension. And I was like, oh geez, like I might have a chance here because I obviously had kind of looked a little bit in the future and I knew Yandel was, I think, uh, uh he, he was maybe hundred games ahead of me. Then Kessel, we all know, was right there, and Marlowe was, I think, right either right before, right behind Kessel. Anyways, I'm like, I just got to outlast these guys. You know, I'm going to do everything I can to outlast them. And then, yeah, my second year in Montreal, I got healthy scratch the first game of the season. Oh. And that's you got Keith Yandled. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I had no idea that it was happening either. So um, then that went on a run of two years, only playing nine games total and and being healthy scratch for – I don't think I, I was never healthy scratch in my career. And I was – oh, shoot, like – 30 or 40 games of like 46 games in a row and it was just just painful and and so then yeah we finished up um right during as COVID happened and decided not to go back to the learn uh the learn to play <laughs> the return to play learn to play is the nhl program for for kids uh the return to play it was middle of the summer our team wasn't really even supposed to be in it i think we were the 24th team and uh i knew i probably wasn't gonna be playing so i decided not to go uh not to go back and then the next season was that weird year with travel and and from what everyone said was was not a very fun year of hockey and I ended up deciding not to go back and then same thing this year we just moved back to DC uh, last August and I'm on I'm on to new things now so it was you know it was a it was a 12, 12 years total um, and I'd say it was nine really really fun years of hockey <laughs> and then and then a little bit of adversity towards the end which is nice because I think it. When, when when my kids are older, if they decide to play sports, it makes the story a little bit cooler. Yeah, they get to learn, hey, sometimes life isn't going to be uh, sunshine and rainbows and lollipops and everything's not going to always go your way. You got to fight through some tough times uh, and be able to come out of it ahead, right, in the long yeah. term. Uh, and it's, it's a good, it is, it's a good kind of teaching uh, term, there's no doubt. So as you can tell, Carl Alsner returned to play wasn't his thing. He, he was not down with RTP. Yeah, you know me. Yeah, I, I throw that in there. No, not funny. I know. Uh, but then nevertheless, Alex, this is going to give you a chance here to rant and rave a little bit. That's a heartbreaking story from Carl about the consecutive games played streak getting snapped in that fashion. Yeah, uh, being a healthy scratch to rant again about your good friend. I know your favorite coach, the best coach in your opinion in the National Hockey League, Mikey O, right, and what yeah. he did to poor Keith Yandel. Uh, earlier this year i know that really really bothered you yeah it did absolutely like I said to, you know and i understand you know obviously you do what's best for the club but you know you look at the position that the, the flyers were in necessarily you know for them for him to, to have his streak ended that way and it wasn't as if they were you know there was some young stud defense when they went to bring up a number one pick or something like that to fill in that spot they brought him up you know i brought up a journeyman guy to kind of take his place and you know, there's only a few games left in, in the year just go on and, and play him out and, and let him get that that run of glory and for, for Mike Yo to cut that down, and, and now he's out of a job as well. It's not like he was yeah. you know, getting ready for the future with Philadelphia. It's just unfortunate. But it's always it's tough to hear that that with anybody, like I said, especially yeah. like I said, your story, the first game of the year as well, to, to have that streak in. But the fact that you had a run for so many years and play every game, I mean, that's something that you just don't even see anymore. I mean, usually you'll see even guys who are, you know, 
top players get healthy scratch at the end of the year if they're getting ready for the playoffs or they got some nagging injuries. So it's just a testament, obviously, to you know the conditioning and the way you've you know, prepared yourself for games over the years. So it's just always cool to see that something that you know you may not see guys have eight nine year runs of playing all eighty two games uh, in that stretch. You know, as we go further along in the future. Yeah, and that, that's a thing that's tough because it's it's a it's a thing that in order to have a streak like that, you you got to sacrifice quite a lot, and then to have it end you know, in a way that had, I mean, I guess it did have something to do with you because obviously the, the team didn't want you on the ice anymore, but to, you know, to not be from injury, um, that's the thing that's, I think, kind of heartbreaking, right? And, and in Yandel's case, I'm I'm just so happy that they ended up, you know, he was able to beat that, beat Doug Jarvis because that, you know, you, without a doubt, whether or not he wants to talk about it, he was, it was going through his mind, right? Like I've come this yeah. far, I got to get there. So at least that was that happened. I was very happy about that. But yeah, I mean, what an absolute beauty move would have been is if one of his teammates would have was like, no, 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 like, you know, my back, you know, it's bugging me. I can't play, you know, like yeah. back in there. <laughs> you know, from from everything that I've heard about the guy, he's just a great a great person to play with, and and everybody seems to really love him. So it's you know, it's unfortunate. And same thing that happened to Doug Jarvis. He his was broken by a healthy scratch as well. I think trying yeah. to get traded or whatever. So. It's just one of those things. It's it's too bad, but you know, at the same time, I'm I'm pretty proud of that. And uh, you know, I, I knew I wasn't going to be breaking any uh, records in my career, so the fact that I could even, uh, I guess, set a team record is uh, I'm pretty happy about. Yeah, you should be. That's something to be proud of. There's no question, and it's, it t- tells you commitment in the off season. Put it this way: you can tell the guys that have that kind of a longevity streak in terms of consecutive games. They're the ones that are eating right in the off season working out every day, off-season training, that kind of thing, and the ones that are pounding back, you know, six cans of beer every day, which is what I do today. That's what I'm doing. Don't give me too much credit here. I I will say this. I was a big proponent of of working hard, but also playing hard too, right? Like I I think that there's a very, very fine line to that. Some guys take things so damn seriously that, that I think they just break down mentally and sometimes physically as well. Um, I don't know him personally, Phil Kessel, but um, I think he's also a good example of, of, you know, playing the game in a way that he can, he can avoid a lot of serious injury um, and still find a way to keep playing. And I think it's been documented that yeah, he's been, he's the one guy you'd say, how the hell did this guy end up playing this <laughs> big game? A bit of an anomaly <laughs> in that sense, but I, you know, there, there's a lot, I will say there's a lot of, of hard work that goes into it in preparation, but but, you know, I didn't, I wasn't ever too crazy about it. You know, I put my work in where I needed to put it in and then I enjoyed what I needed to enjoy too. So I think that there's a, there, there's definitely a balance to it. And some people's bodies just, just react differently. You know, I, I always think a little bit more cushion sometimes can help, um, but a little, a little too much cushion and you can slow down pretty quick. Yeah. All right. Definitely. Yeah. You, got, you got any good, uh, good Ovechkin stories that you could share? Oh man, there, I mean, there's lots. Um, <laughs> I've said I've said a couple before that um, you know you always like to run the stories past the guy that's involved in it first. Um, Hopefully, Eddie Lack did that on Tuesday with both David Booth. He said, "David, can I talk about this uh, on the show?" <laughs> oh, really? He gave us a good one about him and Torts the other day. Yeah. Oh really? Oh, that's that's good. Yeah. It, there, there's just so many things that happen behind the scenes that. It's uh, it's kind of like the fun thing that's your guys' secret, and you know, it's not like they're bad things, but it's it's just you feel like you're part of that fraternity and you keep it that way. But I think 
one uh, in particular that's been documented because it happened at a pregame skate that I just thought was so funny was the Dale, the thing when Dale Hunter was our coach and um, Dale, no secret is like a, you know, meat and potatoes kind of guy. He wants you to work hard and sacrifice and all that. And, and um, we weren't scoring a whole lot that season, um, but we were playing tough defensive hockey. And um, at one point in between periods, he came in and he said to, he was obviously, you know, saying this to the to the goal scorers on the team and just saying like you guys aren't goal scorers right now you guys are plumbers so you guys to go out there and plumb you're not scoring goals so plumb turned around and left the room and and Ovi kind of looked at us like what what's a plumber he does I don't I don't understand and so we were laughing and told him it's like you know a, a plumber is someone who might come to your house that helps like fix the toilet you know like what a plunger is and he's like oh you can see like the wheels turning a little bit and so the next day a pregame skate or I think it was just practice. Um, he he took the plunger from in the janitor's closet and taped it to the bottom of his stick and went out for practice with a plunger taped to his stick. And I remember just thinking like, holy smokes, like how is everybody going to react to this? Because this is kind of ballsy with, with Dale. Um, but I don't know if anything was said behind the scenes, but it was just phenomenal that that he would go out there and do it. And it kind of, it kind of broke the ice a little bit too. Like there was a bit of the elephant in the room and, he came out and did that. We ended up having a laugh about it and, and we had a pretty, pretty good season. So it was uh, just, just one of those funny things that Obi would do. Yeah. You know, what's crazy about Dale Hunter and that whole time in Washington, one, one season and done one yeah. and out essentially. And it's not like it was a, it was a good season. It was a successful year for you in the Capitals. I think you got what second round, I believe that year. Yeah, We lost in game. I think game seven in the second round, we were up um, three, two in the series to, yeah. to New York. And, uh, we got the unfortunate one of my least favorite calls in hockey is the uh, the double minor for bleeding on a high stick. Four minutes, yeah. Joel yeah. Ward went to lift. Uh, I can't remember whose stick it was, and just missed it. And what just, a great playoff player he was! Wow, oh, unbelievable, Joel Ward. unbelievable, yeah. and unbelievable human being too. Just just yeah. one of a kind. And anyways, he cut that guy. They scored on the power play with like a minute, minute and a half left, and then they scored on that the second half of that power play in overtime to take it to game seven. And then I think they thumped us in game seven. So it was, it was too bad, but yeah, we had a good season, but Dale's a great example of just, you know, he kind of did what, what he wanted to do. You know, he, he loves he, a situation in London, you know, loves his, it, yeah, yeah, why wouldn't you? Yeah. you own the team there. The team is solid. You get to live at home. You're a, you're a King there and, and you don't have to deal with the politics of the NHL. So just, just take off. Yeah, and uh, I, look, you got he tried to get Ovi. I know to play a little bit, you know, deep focus on the defensive side of the ice. Mm-hmm. You know, big, you know, proponent of Dale Hunter's coaching, especially that season that he had with you guys in Washington that year. And clearly, it worked. Clearly, the message went through because you guys did have a very good year. And you know, getting to the second round, losing to the Rangers in seven games—that's pretty good. <laughs> all, all things considered, pretty good season, no question. Yeah, I think it was the hardest. The hardest. Uh, team to play against that I was a part of you know we we just we grind teams down we'd wait to score in the power play and and that was it so I I liked it because I'm a defensive player um I understand why the guys who play offense don't like it as much and and that's um you know that's the the tough thing being a coach is you have to please so many different people not to mention uh um the fans as well so it's it's just an extremely hard job and so Dale didn't didn't want to deal with it anymore and that's it's all good. We uh, we moved on after that. 
Yeah, it, it, it is. It is what it is. And like I say, I thought it was still a very good season. Getting back to the Yandel healthy scratch and Alex was not happy about it. I didn't like it. What Mike Yo did. I, I, well, I didn't like what Mike Yo said when he talked about the decision. He said, well, we got to give our young players and our prospects a look and a spot in the lineup. Well, you can't say that's a cock and bull story. You can't say that turn around and put Kevin Connaughton, you know, in the lineup who's been with like six or seven teams, a journeyman defenseman and give me this uh, BS that you're going to look at the young players and the prospects and the future player uh, players of the organization. So, yeah. you know, his story didn't fit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's hard. It's hard to know for sure. Like it, there could have been, we something on the table where a team wanted to see Connaughton play and they maybe were going to try and pick him up or something. We don't know exactly. So I, I don't, I don't like to uh, really, I, I don't like situation because sim something similar happened to me, but, but yeah. typically I don't like to uh, um, make too many, too many guesses on it, you know, and, and be too hard on someone. Cause you never know exactly the situation. There's so many times where it happens where a team is just trying to fluff somebody up so that they can trade them. Or um, you know, so another team will sign them or whatever it is. So we just don't know the situation. But but and Connaughton's a can be a pretty damn good player too. It's it's just it's all about situation. So I I agree that the wording sounded like it was going to be a first year guy yeah. to play. The wording was bad. Yeah. yeah, and that wasn't the case. But but yeah, it's uh, it's all around unfortunate. And hopefully uh, hopefully handles all right with it. All right, great stuff. Well, Carl, well, I'll introduce you now to Andrew McGinnis, who's joining us here on the Ice Guys Show. Great Montreal nation. Canadiens fans, who got to see you play quite a bit those last three years there in Montreal. Not that long. Only only ninety one games in three years, so it's not not a ton. But yeah, it was it was an interesting time. I watched pretty much all of them. So anyway, great to meet you. Great to be on here with you. You as well. All right, there's and uh, so there we go. That's Carl Laws. You know, usually we play an old clip, but you know what? I was rushing around today, ten million things to do. I had an election to vote for, so we couldn't get one. Uh, or I couldn't have time to get one set up. So, so many, if you're back with us. We'll get a Carl Alsner clip the next time you're on the uh, Ice Guys show. Goal scoring clips out there. That's <laughs> <laughs> we'll find something though. Something that's yeah. good. Something that won't embarrass you or humiliate you. It'll be something that's uh, something that's good. Something that people will enjoy for sure. There's a, a Our, good scrap out there. Or something. Uh, oh yeah, Carl. Oh, since, since I'm yeah. Uh, since I'm late to the show here, I actually almost just uh, someone just merged into me pretty much on the highway. I almost got into a car accident. So. A little bit, uh, a little bit late to the show here, but uh, how's life for you? What are, what are you up to these days, and how's everything going? It's good. Yeah, I, I don't really have any complaints. I'm, I'm uh, maybe a little busier than I was expecting to be um, retiring from hockey, but uh, at the same time, I'm, I'm a busy guy, so it's, it's not, it's not a bad thing. Um, just figuring out my priorities, I guess, and learning, learning how to say no is, is always a problem for me. I like to. If, if somebody has a problem, question, you know, right. something for me to go to, I'm typically, uh, yeah, when is it? Let me, let me figure it out. Um, and so, you know, just being better about prioritizing the things that I want to do and that are important to me. Um, so that's kind of where I am with that. And, uh, and yeah, in terms of hockey, I, I'm still trying to keep a foot in the door for maybe something down the road, but so many of these jobs that, that are, that are involved with teams are, are very time consuming and, right. and I can't do all the other things that I want to do. So um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm, where I'm at with that is, is I still hang around, I guess a little bit, you could say, so I'm not completely gone, but um, yeah, not involved directly with any team right now, but I will have to get back into it. Cause that will be my only chance at winning a Stanley cup is on the management side. So uh, maybe at some point you'll see me, Sweet. you'll see me get back. Well, from, in. What I, from what I've gathered, that's kind of how it is. Like, 
you know, when you're retired, you, everybody thinks that, you know, it's just like trips to, you know, these lavish places nonstop and everything like that. But like, like you said, you know, you're, you're doing this, you're doing that and you got different things you're doing and all of a sudden you're busy. And a lot of people like I've spoken to, um, even like agents, I used to like, uh, be an intern doing media work for a junior hockey team here in Canada. And, uh, like, all these agents, they were like, some of them were like just workers for teams, like former players type of stuff. Like, and they'd say the same thing. They're like, man, I came into this thinking I could just be like still sticking with hockey, but not like their schedule was as busy as a player. It sounded like, you know, and yeah, and that's kind of the thing. It's like, if you want to stick with the game, you pretty much have to live like, obviously not like physically demanding, but you're still like, you know, flying around and stuff like, like some of these agents, like, like the far, I'm in Nova Scotia. So far, like far East coast here, when they come over here, they're going to all hitting all the junior teams in like far East Quebec, the junior teams, all these small towns. So they're away from their families for like two or three weeks, you know, so it's still still pretty time consuming. Yeah, that's exactly it. Everyone thinks it's like, OK, let's let's be done and let's done, let's be done playing and become a scout. And you're like, well, do you want to be a good scout or do you want to just say you're a scout? Right. Because that's the, there's a big difference right there. I've, I thought I thought I wanted to get into player development and. I still think that's kind of a good role, but, but yeah, you're, I mean, you're traveling all the time. If you don't live in the city that you're the American league team is in, which uh, for example, the caps is Hershey. It's not, it wouldn't be my first choice of cities. I would live in full time, great city, but not, you know, not really as much opportunity as, as where we are here. Um, uh, you, yeah. You're, you're going around visiting all these places, all the colleges that your kids are at, uh, the, that your draft picks are at, or you're watching the games in Europe on, on Instat or whatever, and you're just trying to keep up, up to date with everything. So it's just, it, it's just very, very time consuming. Uh, almost nobody jumps straight into coaching, you know, an American league team, definitely. I don't think an NHL team. So you got to, you know, get back on the bus and, and yeah. travel through all the Canadian cities and, and work your way up and, Unless you're Marty St. Louis, you can just go from coaching eight-year-olds to, uh, you know, professional hockey yeah. players. <laughs> that's the exception, yes. Yeah. So I didn't quite have the resume that Marty had, so that's not going to Not happen. sure we're going to see that pathway to the National Hockey League again anytime soon, yeah. Yeah, pretty, pretty rare. But, uh, but yeah, so that's it, just kind of, yeah, I, I'll start with doing some media stuff, so that way I'm still paying attention a little bit, um, and then... Uh, you know, I, I want to help out with hockey schools and stuff. We're starting our first hockey school um, this uh, this summer in DC, which will actually be really fun. Um, trying to do like a you know 14, 15, 16 year olds and stuff because our area has really exploded over the last 15 years with hockey, mainly because of Ovi. Um, yep. And so lots of and lots one of great people. season after another for the Capitals. That's yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It. Yeah. yeah. Lots of lots of parents want to get their kids into hockey now. They realize how much fun it is. Um, there's more ice rinks popping up, so access is getting better. And so I'd love to be able to see some kids from this area, you know, really, really kind of not take over the league, but definitely make an impact, right? I think that we're I think we're gonna get there at some point. So uh yeah, I'll be doing a camp this year, which will be which will be kind of fun. Yeah, and how's the podcast? Go ahead. Oh, I was yeah. saying, it's like the DMV area. That's big. Uh, I know a big lacrosse country as far as in the U.S. So to see yeah. some of those, you know, kids maybe also you know take up hockey in the wintertime probably be uh, a yeah. kind of a big, a good transition as well. That's exactly it. That's what we do in Canada, right? At least yeah. you used to. You used to play lacrosse and and hockey, and those are your, those are your two sports. And so um, I I think that once people realize that there's a correlation there with with uh, those two, that they'll hopefully make that transition, but we're starting with, with outdoor rinks, you know, outdoor rinks are huge because all you need is your, your shoes and then, you know, stick in a puck. Yeah. That's, that's, that's simple. So 
I think that once people realize how much fun they're having, you know, hopefully they put on some skates at some point. And if they don't, you know, maybe they just become a fan and, and that's, that's great for the game. Yeah. Lacrosse, one of the best kept secrets going. What a sport. I love that sport. I wish I could watch it more, but it's always on when there's like a million other sports going. It's hard, but man, I love the sport. I wish I would focus on it. Yeah. University of Maryland just won the national championship this, uh, this, this past Memorial Day. So. Yep. It's a party. I've never been to a game. Halifax got a team in a couple years, like two years ago. Yeah. And it was an true. expansion yeah. team. And they took like the number one team in the league in the NLL and, and the new team, wherever they left was, the, was the expansion team. So they got to take all the good players. It's an, <laughs> I'm almost embarrassed. Party. They like, yeah, they I'm... bump music. Like if you're not like eight beers deep out of the cross game, you're doing it wrong. Like everybody's <laughs> just having a blast. It's hilarious. Yeah. It's all about atmosphere at those games, yeah. right? It's smart. I, I really like that a lot. I don't know how they, yeah. I don't know why it's different in hockey. Like I wouldn't mind having a little bit of music leaking through the Yeah, speakers. exactly. There ain't no party like a lacrosse party. <laughs> they should put that during the, in the East Coast League. <laughs> yeah, kind of sweet. I like that. <laughs> kind of ashamed to admit that this season, the Toronto Rock have played their home games in my backyard, Hamilton. All season, they've played their home games here, National Lacrosse League, and I haven't been to a single game. Hmm. That's, you know, it's uh, I'm upset about that. I'm disappointed I didn't make some uh, effort to try to get out there for a game, but that's what happens when you're busy. Uh, with this work year in and uh, year round. But speaking of work, how about just before, we'll get into the NHL, we promise, in a few minutes. Uh, but the podcast work and the television work, Carl, this year that you've done. Podcasting, the Capitals podcast, working a little on television, doing the, some studio work for the local Capitals games for uh, NBC Sports Washington uh, with them. How has that gone? You enjoying that? Yeah, I do. Like, like I said at the beginning, I like podcasts because you can kind of just have the conversation. And uh I listened to actually, well, when I was in Montreal and I was spending time in Lavelle, I uh, was in the car for anywhere between an hour and a half to three hours a day uh, commuting. And so I'm, I listened to pretty much every podcast I could get my hands on and, um, and I really grew to love them and figured out which ones I liked and tried to get a little bit of a, an idea of, of, you know, if I ever do a podcast, how, how do I want to talk on there? What kind of questions do I want to ask? And, and then had the opportunity to do one coming back here to DC and we decided to just give it a shot and see how it goes. And, you know, I, I like it, but I'm torn between the two different styles, right? Like there's, there's the hardcore hockey where you, know, you, you break down games, players, that kind of stuff. And then there's where you have guests on and you get to talk about the guest and their background and all that. And so I'm more towards the guest side, right? I like to hear about the person and, and get a little bit of info there. If we can ask a hockey question here and there, great. Otherwise, no big deal. But um, I think from my understanding, those, those types of podcasts need to have some pretty big names on typically for them to really get a lot of traction outside of your maybe specific geographical area. And so we're trying to figure out a nice balance right now because the guy that I do do with Stephen Wino, um, he's super, super smart and he's tapped into so much as well. So he's really great at talking hockey and he's better at it than I am, quite frankly. And uh, and I need to step up my game if that's if that's the direction we're going to go. And so there's there's that. Whereas the media side of it, I I like the actual on camera stuff. I like quite a bit because. Um, I get to watch the game and then I get to talk about it after, right? <laughs> I get I get to have clips up on the screen that I can break down. So I think that's a lot of fun. It seems to be a pretty natural transition for a lot of a lot of players right now too. Just looking at these panels right now, it's just littered with guys that 
that have played the game. So um, it seems it seems to be a pretty good option. But that being said, um, you know it's like like being a scout. You got to put a lot of effort in if you want to be good. You know my my knowledge of the game will only take me so far if I'm not keeping up with it. So yep. it just will depend on on how serious I want to go. Exactly. Well, you got to be a superstar like Biz Nasty, right? You got to be an absolute goal scoring machine like <laughs> like Paul Biz and that. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Well, <laughs> you got to be able to you got to be able to say what you want too. Like he doesn't seem to, you know, he he's created he's he's so lucky that he's created that spot for him, right? Like very few people. You always wonder like you have you always have a friend who who just can say whatever they want and you laugh at it versus yeah. taking it personally. He's created mm-hmm. that for himself, right? And, and yeah. so he can get away with, with, with saying whatever he wants. And you can tell that his, his, his uh, skill has, has grown like crazy. He, he sure. can break down these. these he's phenomenal. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's really, I mean, yep. the, the people he's hanging out with too, probably have a rubbing off on him just a little bit as well. Yeah. So he's it's funny. It's funny seeing him next to Wayne on the panel though. eh? Yeah. <laughs> you never imagined that, that that was going to yeah. happen. And probably. he's getting Wayne to come out of his shell a little bit there. Yeah. Yeah. I love that they chirp him a little bit. I, I don't know that I'd have the balls to do that, but. They're doing it, so it, it, yeah, that it's a it's a pretty cool gig. It would I would love to be able to get get to something like that at some point, but it takes tons of work, and and someone's got to pull a string for you if you're not an all star. Yeah, and for those in Canada who've been inundated by these ads, watching Wayne Gretzky on the TNT panel is a lot better than watching with every tap a new legend is born for a million times on the BetMGM. Yeah commercials which i've seen you know too many times to count here i, I will say you know i've really liked uh kevin bieksa on the um on the okay. canadian panel he's done a great, great job like uh i, I was Juice. actually I, tw- I tweeted out yesterday i was like anyone know where kevin is and someone responded saying he had a hockey camp commitment that with a kids camp he was doing during this week that's but, awesome but man like i i you know i i do screw think you that- rogers i'm not letting the kids down i like that yeah yeah I like sometimes, that. sometimes he, yeah. he he gets a little bit he has too much a little lot of fun like chirping elliot and ron and stuff like that but i think it adds some character and fun to the panel yeah. but uh, i think he does a great job i agree he's my favorite uh favorite favorite analyst right now i think uh i think he has a really nice balance of that like when he actually wants to dive into a clip and break it down it's spot on and uh but at the same time, he's he loves to chirp, and I've asked a couple people about that. Like, so so we have the same financial guy. So I I I reached out to 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 Kevin uh, to Juice when uh, I was going to start this stuff, and just said, "Any advice? What do you got for me?" And picked his brain a little bit, and um, and I'm like, had to give him a shout out right away. I'm like, dude, like this is this is perfect. Everything you do, everyone's laughing all the time. They, they love seeing the stuff he has in the background, the funny pictures yeah. he'll post up there. Like that's, you want to see a different side to the robotic, uh, what the robotic guys that we're used to. And I think that there's, there's still a spot for that because you like to see someone who's polished and can get through all, like to run a, a broadcast so hard. I'm seeing that the lady that we have, Alexa Landestoy, she's phenomenal. If you ever have a chance just to watch some of her footage that she has, she's so good. So at what she does, and it's a hard job. So you need those guys that are polished like that, but you also need a, a Kevin Bieksa or a Paul Bissonnette to, to make people laugh a little bit too. Yeah, and he certainly does. It. They're both great because they've got that charisma, that energy, you know, and, and they try to bring a little humor to it. I don't want to say I'm trying to be like – I try to be like them. i probably not as good at that, but I try to, you know, be funny and energetic and, you know, let's make it enjoyable and uh, for uh, the viewers and listeners, but they're really good at it, both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bissonette and uh, Biaxa, and uh, yeah, they're doing great work on uh, television. And uh, if you go continue to go that route, you're right. 
commitment to watching the games and staying on top of the league and as many of the teams as you can. Uh, that's definitely an important part of it if you decide to stay around in it. But we will get to the NHL. One, I do have to ask Carl about the 2007 World Juniors. I do. Because that team, I still remember it very well. And it was a great team. It won gold medal, uh, won the gold medal for Canada that year. Uh, it was terrific. I mean, they had Carey Price. And it's funny, you were reunited with them in Montreal, of course, many, many years later. Uh, Brad Marchand, I believe, was on that team. Uh, Ryan O'Mara, someone that was a guest on this show previously way back when. Uh, definitely a situation where a, there were, that was a very good hockey team. And probably some of the best hockey playing memories, Carl, for you were that winning that gold medal 2007 world juniors right yeah they absolutely were um that team was was very good i think we were a better we were a better team that year um on ice we may have been a better team on paper the next year in 2008 with some of the players we had there but but our game wasn't nearly as polished as as the year before but like yeah you, you go down the list and even john taste like him and carrie price that year in that shootout were our were our heroes right and that was yep. It was taser. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It was an amazing tournament. And I remember, I remember it very, very clearly because it was before the tournament started, I was a little bit sad because it came down to me and one other guy for the last um, spot defenseman on that team. The other guy was Dustin Cohn, who was my uh, best friend and junior. We lived next to each other, hung out every single day. And it came down to me or him to make the team. And I knew I was going to have another chance the next year. And this was his last chance. And so they, they picked me, I think, wanting at least one 18-year-old defenseman on that team. And I remember thinking, like, obviously I'm very happy about this, but I kind of wish that he would have had his chance because it can completely change your the career arc um, after that in the NHL. You just get so much more clout after playing the World Juniors. And so so that's kind of the way it started. And then Hockey Canada does such a good job of treating treating the players well. Like you're gone during Christmas, right? So they make sure you feel really good. A lot of really cool experiences. Um, there was a ton of really funny stories that came from that that tournament. Um, but when you look at the roster and the names, you can imagine that. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah, we had we had like really funny uh, secret Santas, and and uh, we we spent some time in Finland. We were all jumping off these platform diving boards into a frozen lake, and then all running into the sauna. We had two injuries actually before the tournament even started. We were lucky that those guys were able to play um, in the tournament, but we just had so much fun. And I remember thinking that I was just happy to be there. And then first exhibition game was against Finland. Tuka Rask was their goalie and he was the big guy going into the tournament. And the first period I had a goal and assist. I'm like, man, this is easy. And then the next game against Sweden, first period I scored again. And I'm like, whoa, like I'm, I'm better than I thought I was, I guess. <laughs> next period we went we we went a face off kind of I was the defenseman on the wall in the D zone it came right in between me and the winger and I beat him to the puck to try and like slap it back to my defense partner and Leland Irving was in net and he wasn't quite ready for it and actually went on the net five hole on him and scored and I'm like shit okay I just scored my own net now so I'm I'm uh, up I got two two goals plus one goal against and yep. then the next period I tipped one in a guy took a shot from out wide and I tipped it top corner again. So then I was two goals for two goals against You're in on every wow. goal. And I was in on every goal. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not that good. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't end up playing nearly as much in the first few games of the tournament. Um, I think because of that, which is kind of funny. And then um, in the last two games, the against the U S and the semis and then Russia in the finals, I, 
which which was really weird. I ended up playing more more those two games. I did the whole thing, but it was just it was just nuts. Like those tournaments are so much fun, as you guys know. Like it's, it means a lot to to the country. Um, so yeah, very fond memories. I I could talk about that for for a long time, but but that was you know we go back and and think about it. And we have a couple songs that like Pricey put on one of the songs in the dressing room one time in Montreal. And as soon as like I was tying my skates, he put the song on and I just kind of like looked up and uh, I looked over there by the stereo and he's standing there smiling at me. And like, that was, that would have been like 11, 10 or 11 years later. Right. It's, it still feels the same way for him that it did for me. And that's, that's when you know, it's a core memory, I guess. Yeah, definitely. That is because you reunite in Montreal and you both have that same memory from 2007 world juniors, gold medal winning team for Canada. Uh, and it's pretty cool. It means that staying with you forever, you know, it's a lifelong lasting memory that you're going to say, wow, I'm pretty proud of that. You yeah. know, that accomplishment and that team and uh, being with those guys and uh, to getting that done and winning gold. Uh, I just want to uh, talk about some of the, I'll rhyme off some of the roster for just to refresh everybody's memory. Jonathan Taves, uh, Chris Russell, still in the league. Jonathan Taves, of course, still in the league. Steve Downey, you know, agitator supreme to the tits. We remember him very well. Uh, Chris Letang, of course, still going. Uh, rest in peace, Luke Bourdon. He was going to be a very, very good player, in my opinion. Uh, lost him too soon. Uh, Tom Pyatt, uh, Andrew Cogliano, who's, of course, playing for Colorado right scored now in the Stanley Cup. Play. Yeah, scored a big goal. Scored the game-winning goal uh, in game one. Because that was the that was that ended up being the game winning goal against Edmonton uh, in game one of that. Darren Helm, another player that's actually playing for Colorado as well right now. Uh, crazy shit here. Holy game shit. seven winner. Yeah. Holy fuck, man. Brad Marchand, of course, Boston Bruins, Brian Little. I mean, he's had an injury marred career, but he had a lot of good years. Atlanta, Winnipeg. Uh, Cody Franson was in the league for a while. Of course, our guy, Carl Alsner, Sam Gagne still going with Detroit, Mark Stahl. Uh, Carey Price, of course, and James Neal, uh, among others. Wow. Mm -hmm. Loaded team. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, pretty good. Steve Downing was actually my first NHL fight, which is kind of funny. And believe it or not, this is it's pretty interesting. I don't know if the record still stands, but Chris Russell, if you look at his game today, he's a he's a shot-blocking, shut-down defenseman. He, mm -hmm. At the time, he set the record for most goals by a defenseman in that tournament. I think he had six or seven goals in, in the six games in that tournament. It was wow. – absolutely crazy the fact that he's he that just goes to show you what you are in junior isn't what you are in the nhl you know right. it can completely change so it was he was uh he was a big big part of that team i, I have yeah. a cliche question for you and like i i'm sure you get asked all the time but it's kind of just something I, I feel like i have to ask just um what really like you know especially at the junior level it kind of made me want to ask because you're talking about juniors and stuff like that like nhl you know like i have a buddy he he just he just started playing pro soccer mm -hmm. and uh, he had like probably one of the biggest games of his career last week. And I asked him, I was like, look, look, like we don't really talk about his game too much. Cause I just, he just wants us to be friends and talk about his regular life stuff. Right. But I'm like, how cool was it playing against those guys? Like it was like against a Toronto FC, you know, you know them. And he was yeah. like, dude, like it just felt like another game. Like once the game started, it was another game and stuff like that. But when you're playing the world juniors, when you're playing like some of these games, obviously like, the older you get and the more of a vet you were, it, it's, it's the same, but does the media or any of the hype, like ever play any factor with that kind of stuff? Cause I kind of like when players are honest in their interviews and they, they say pregame, like, or in the post uh, first period intermission, like, yeah, a little butterflies first period. Like how much of that of the stuff that gets going said in the media actually do you guys pay attention to? Because I know sometimes you'll say, no, I don't pay attention to that, but how much do people like, 
the Maple Leafs when they hear about that curse and all this and that? How much does that actually go into the room? Well, it, it depends on the player, really. Um, like, I'll, you'll, you'll finish a game and you'll look, walk down the bus and you'll see everyone, like, scrolling through Twitter. Right. And then you'll see other guys that are playing solitaire, right? Like, there's different people. Some, some guys need to know everything that's being said and, and want to stay up to date. And other guys could, could care less. Kevin Durant. Yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm that guy that doesn't pay attention to it. I, uh, I didn't, didn't care what anybody had to say because, you know, like I said to you guys earlier, that we don't know exactly why things are happening, right? Unless somebody inside the room tells you this is why this is happening, we're all speculating, right? It's the same yeah. thing that you do as, as an analyst, right? I'm, I'm not texting the coach and saying, hey, why'd you guys, you know, play the two on two today? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm speculating. This is why they did that, and so. Yeah. So I know that, and I've seen firsthand reporters say something in the media that I, is the exact opposite. And I don't know if that was a source that, that told them that or they're guessing. Um, so there's just no point of me paying close attention to it. Now, there are a few guys that are tapped in, and those guys I will, I'll listen to now. I, I wouldn't while I was playing. Right. But in terms of like before games, butterflies and stuff like that, it's absolutely there for a lot of guys. But when you're playing, there's just no time for it, right? Like, yeah. I don't have time to think like, oh crap, here's uh, McDavid coming down on me. It's like, it's like, okay, I got to watch what he's doing and and make my decision, especially with how fast he is. I don't have enough time to think that. Yeah. And so, so it's just you 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 look you look at the guys maybe skating around and warm up and thinking like I remember thinking clearly when we were playing Sweden in that 07 World Juniors. I'm like, that's Nick Backstrom, like. This, this guy's legit, you know, I, I, I should probably watch out for him on the ice and, um, and that's all pregame stuff. But yeah, once the puck drops, it's, I guess the advantage to, to knowing some of these superstars and stuff is that I've probably watched them more than they've watched me. So I know some of their tendencies. Ah, okay. <laughs> like, cool. Give an example, Marty St. Louis, right? Like I, I watched him play a bunch and, and then one time to this day, it's, it's, it's pissed me off. Um, Matt Duchesne did this move to me and it was the only time that it, that it happened to me, but he came busting wide on me. And you know, that play where the defenseman kind of sticks their stick out and the forward will put it underneath the stick yeah. and then quickly roof it. Right. And Matt Duchesne did that to me. And then I was really mad about it. And then, and then Marty St. Louis tried to do it to me like a, a couple games after. And I'm like, I'm like, Nope, like it won't, <laughs> it won't happen. I've seen you do it a bunch of times. I had never seen Duchesne do it before. I know you do it. And he tried to do it on me two or three times over the span of a couple of years. And, and I knew that because of watching, watching him play. Whereas I had, I guarantee he didn't know what type of stuff I did. Right. So there's an advantage yeah, to cool. some of the superstars, but uh, I guess it just depends on how much you're paying attention to what they're I feel doing. like it'd be hard to watch TSN. That's good insight. Yep. Like how, like I, it'd be, if I was an athlete playing like for the Montreal Canadians, you, you can't watch like, TSN or RDS like they're talking about you <laughs> you know what I mean like <laughs> unless you're just an egotist and you want to hear like you love hearing people talk about you I'd want to like I'd be watching like Netflix pregame or like in the afternoon yeah. or more I wouldn't be I'd be staying as far away as I can from sports yeah. you know so the thing is like you want to watch you want to watch it to see the highlights of the other games but then your stuff comes on and you just, just want to leave the room right? <laughs> you had a good game sure watch your goals or whatever but otherwise leave the room but that that was like that was what we were in, in dc like in the morning they'd have i think it was nhl network yeah nhl network uh nhl on the fly that's what it's called yeah. and everyone would watch it while they're stretching whatever just to see what happened around the league 
And then uh, as soon as, as soon as everyone got their highlights in, we were family feud right away. Like let's that's cool. Let's just do something else, and let's all all have some have some fun. Yeah, no no question about that. Um, great stuff uh, talking about you know just the little nuances of certain player tendencies, and definitely there's not there's definitely some wherewithal and uh, knowledge that certain players have about uh, maybe the way another player on the other side of the uh, fence, the other team plays. No doubt about that. Um, We'll get into briefly the Washington Capitals since you you know that team inside out pretty much covered them this year. They've got everybody tied. You know they pretty much don't have many issues in terms of who are they going to resign. You know a lot of they don't have many, if any, you know unrestricted or restricted free agents. So obviously they get uh, uh, bounced in the first round by the Florida Panthers. Uh, what do you see from this team going into the off season and next season, Carl, with this uh, Washington Capitals group? Well, I mean it's uh, it's tough because. They, there was talk all season long about their goaltending, right? That 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 was an issue. Um, and it's funny because if we look at the playoffs right now, we have one series with with two guys that are considered the two best goalies in the league, right? Yeah. That you expect that you need to have to win in the playoffs. Yeah. And then, no offense to the other two teams' goalies, but they they have guys that they haven't been spoken in that breath and they the games are 8-6 and 7-5 whatever they are but they're still finding ways to win to win games right so that's been the issue in in Washington is figuring out who their goalie is and who's the one that that can actually um, carry them into the playoffs and who's going to have that longevity because they've both had some injury issues throughout the season and I'll be the first to admit like I don't I don't know goalie stuff that well <laughs> like you know i can't tell you which is the better technical goalie um you know and i can just tell you how i feel watching them play like when i watch vanacek play i feel more comfortable you know like i think that he he uh he's the way he stands in the net the way he makes his saves i'm like i, I got a little confidence sam Solonov's the opposite i think he's got a ton of skill and and he can be really good but i just don't always feel um, that he's going to be there that night. So I think that's the yeah. that's the elephant in the Pretty room. Pretty much what I thought too, yeah. Yeah, that's, that would be what they would need to kind of figure out and, and see what kind of options are, are out there. That's that's the question, you know, who, who's available and do you want to take a chance on somebody who has maybe had some some tough times, you know, there's, there's a, you know, like a Carter Hart, you know, something like that. Do you want to try and resurrect somebody who's who's fallen on, on hard times and, and see what's there maybe, but uh but I'm not, I'm not too sure what their plan is. And then in terms of the defense, I mean, I, I, I don't know for sure. I thought they had a couple um, couple defensemen that needed to be re-signed. I know Brian McClellan had said uh, that there was going to be – they were going to hope to retain a couple of them. So we'll see uh, we'll see where that ends up going. But um, I think overall the, the team needs to inject some youth. You know, they need, need some of these young studs to – to just kind of show themselves and, and, and start to take over a little bit because, you know, Backstrom is, is uh, pretty banged up over the last three years. Yes. Um, oh, yeah, he has been. Yeah. yeah. No secret there. Um, so hopefully he's able to, to get back. And then if he does get back into relatively Backstrom esque form, because that's what we, we love to see, um, you know, same thing, Tom Wilson, ACL, it's a pretty, pretty bad injury to have so they got they got some stuff to worry about um but i think the main thing is goaltending and uh and trying to find a way to get some youth into that into that lineup whether that's 
some of their draft picks or, or maybe making some trades for some young guys, but those guys are hot commodities right now. It's kind of a young guy's league. Yeah, it is one of the older teams going, uh, Washington. There's no doubt. And the, I think they need another defenseman, too. I like Carlson. I think Martin Fehervari is a guy that's uh, improved throughout the course of the year. Orlov is going to be you know, steady, reliable. Nick Jensen. But you know, you get down the uh, depth chart a little bit. Let's see. Maybe they can add a defenseman. I'd probably look at that. And I agree with you about the youth perspective. Definitely, yeah. I think they could use an addition in that for sure. Yeah, Andrew, go ahead. You were going to real quick, uh, Ian. You, you know, Ian. Uh, Ian will probably laugh because I ask everybody about about uh, this guy, but uh, I I know that I've read a few stories about um, you seeing his progression and stuff like that. I'm talking about uh, Liam O'Brien. I knew uh, it. Freaking Liam Ian, O'Brien mentioned again. I, I, I always bring him go. up, but but you, but you actually played with him in Washington, and uh, this is a little bit different because yesterday I was asking him about uh, just some Coyotes players and stuff like that, but. You saw his progression. He's a brother of one of my good friends. What can you say about him? Because I know that you were there with him when he kind of got his start, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Tuna. That's that's Big his name. Tuna, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's uh he he was kind of an interesting guy. Like so he he came up with with Tom Wilson, Michael Latta, and and Burakovsky and him, um, and Obi. And they and they were always kind of hanging out together, always trying to break in the same time and and Tom and Berkey kind of separated themselves a little bit. And even Lana got, you know, a little bit more action. And Obi was just kind of trying to do what he needed to do, right? Like, you know, maybe he wanted to score goals and play a little bit more offensive, but knew that he was going to have to muck it up a little bit more and, and find, a, find a niche somewhere. And uh, he's, he's just been a guy that, like, kind of makes me smile just seeing that he's, he's getting more and more action everywhere, right? Like he's, yeah. He's just hanging on there and, and finding somewhere else, a new place to love him. And, and, I, and I think that's amazing because so many of those guys can kind of just like peter off and, and, and go away. And he's not doing that. He's, he's able to, uh, to, to be able to continue, a, you know, now say a pretty damn good career for, for, for most guys. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. I just, I just liked having him around. I like, <laughs> I like someone with a, a big, thick mane of red hair. <laughs> I had to ask. I know Ian's laughing, and it's not like I I I expected. It. It's all good fun, Ian, because I always bring him up to people. But Ian, this is probably the that's first. That's right. You know his his brother. Yeah. So. This is probably fine. the first guest, Ian, where it actually makes sense that I asked yes. that question because they actually knew. You know, uh, I pretty much ask everybody, but it's not like he's some superstar player. But I just think it's cool because obviously I know him, but he's not some guy going top corner every night. But Arizona yeah. seems to be a perfect home for him. Got his start with Washington and. I just saw a quote actually just in some story I read that you were saying how, you know, you were happy for him and stuff like that. So I thought I'd ask. Yeah. Well, you know, Arizona is a perfect place for a lot of guys right now. <laughs> you know, they yes. <laughs> got to go there and play again. Jay Beagle got to go and, and play and play a lot. Like, you know, they, they got, they're, they're willing to take guys and give them, give them chances right now. And it's uh yeah, it's kind of, kind of a nice place to be although not a lot of pressure from the media there then no, <laughs> no pressure no, from the media you don't have to own any pairs of pants like it's just shorts weather all the time it's kind of a sweet place to be you just got to watch out for scorpions otherwise you're all good you mean you mean players there aren't put under a high level of stress by the two media people that are asking them questions after a game i mean <laughs> the highest level of stress say. is going into the Going, going off the fairway to look for their golf ball. I'm worried about getting bit. <laughs> <laughs> going into the rough, eh? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. That's a good question. No, we're gonna have a running counter on the ice, guys. How many times does Andrew bring I'm up done. Liam O'Brien versus done. how many times does Renus Vitalins Vito bring up Teddy Bluger because he played with him way back? You yeah, know, yeah. A few you years you bring ago. up yeah. some Hamiltonians quite a bit. I've heard I you do. bring up a couple of Hamil- Who's the one you always bring up? I can't. Oh yeah, Darnell Nurse, isn't that? Of course. Yeah, bit, I always do the people, name but... drop that he's from Hamilton. The proud <laughs> of the guy. He's playing great. And then Not usually I ask a question about the minor leagues. So yeah, we all have our crutch. We all have our crutch. Uh, indeed. All right, let's. All right, we're going to finally turn our attention to the NHL, or the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, last night, we'll recap briefly Carolina, not Carolina, they're done. Tampa Bay, I should say, uh, and the New York Rangers. Um, look, I mean, we all, we we asked the question I did on the show yesterday. Nine days off, you know, this was either going to be rest, and they're going to be just fluid, and you know, and it's going to be a great you know benefit to Tampa, or they're going to be shaky. Maybe a little out of sync, out of rhythm and momentum. They rolled through Florida four straight games, and then you're sitting there for nine days. It could be a detriment. And I knew right away that first goal, Chris Kreider left all alone in front of the net. A great pass from Mika Zibanejad. And there's Zach Bogosian going for a nice little uh, skate into the corner there. An egregious defensive breakdown. I said right then and there, this team doesn't look sharp. You know, they don't look like they're in sync. Here. And this looks like, whoa, this could be a night for Tampa where, hey, it's not going to go well for them. And sure enough, it did. Didn't go well for them. And it continued most of the game. And the Rangers give them credit. Their forecheck worked Tampa Bay over. Kind of looked like a team that was nine days off got, because of the fact they were slow to react to the cycle. You know, in terms of, you know, the Rangers really got the forecheck game going. And it seemed like to lose pucks all night. The Rangers, for the most part, were winning those battles. I think in the first period after Tampa tied it, there was a stretch where the Lightning were carrying the play a little bit. But in the second and the third period, the Rangers took over. Uh, and it was a terrific performance. The big gun stepped up. Kreider, a big game. Zabanajad, a big game. Adam Fox, another outstanding game. The power play scores again. What else is new? I mean, this power play is on fire. And I said from a player prop standpoint, you got to bet some player props with the Rangers on the power play right now. And I took Adam Fox plus 182 to score a power play point. Sabanajad at almost 200 plus 200 to score a power play point. Uh, and both of those came through. And I also said, Philip Heedle, watch out for him. This guy is playing great. He's on fire. He's heedling up right now uh, for the uh, New York Rangers right now. Uh, and he is. Uh, and the other teams are feeling the heedle, courtesy of Philip uh, right now. Five goals in the last three games uh, for Philip Heedle here in the playoffs. He's been magnificent. And I cashed a goal score prop with him at plus. 475. I couldn't believe my eyes yesterday. Three goals in the last two games of the Kakalaki series in the last round, and you can bet plus 475 on him to score a goal. Uh, it was an outstanding value, and I'll probably be looking to keep riding the Philip Heedle Express uh, moving forward because five goals in the last three games, he's playing with extreme confidence offensively. Great pass, by the way, uh, to him for the third goal, and then a bullet shot you know, on the fourth goal to extend the lead. Two-goal night for him, and really the Rangers deserve the game. Uh, and we're outstanding. And I say this is pressure now on Tampa a little bit in game two. Everyone's going to talk about 18-0, and 0, off a loss in the Stanley Cup playoffs for the Tampa Bay Lightning since the beginning of 2020. And everybody and their brother is going to run to bet Tampa Bay in game two. You just know it. Everyone's going to pile on. They know that record now, that statistic. 18 in, in a row off a playoff loss. They've won the next game. Uh, but the Rangers have got a serious role going right now. And it may not be easy for the Tampa Bay Lightning to extend that streak to 19-0. and 0. 
game two on Friday night. We'll see uh, if that streak stays alive. Carl, we'll start with you on this one. Last night's uh, Lightning Rangers game. How did it uh, look to you? Well, <clears throat> I'll be completely honest with you. I was hoping it was starting at 7 o'clock because I was watching Top Gun at 8.30. So I didn't catch all the game. <laughs> but so going back to what, I, what, what I've seen just in experience is you're exactly right. A team that's off for – for nine days to go to go in and and uh, and try and get up to speed with a with a team that just came off of a series is extremely hard. It's it's notoriously bad for for that uh, that team and uh, and so I'm not all that surprised. But I will say that if there's one team that I I I expect to bounce back, it seems to be Tampa. Like it doesn't matter how hard you kick them, they just forget about it and 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 turn around and play again. So it's. It's pretty, I was slightly shocked that the score was what it was, but, uh, but at the same time, you know, you Tampa can afford to throw away a game and come out on the other side and, and play good. But, uh, but yeah, I, 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 New York looks pretty solid right now. I, I still, I still have my, you know, my, I'm not betting any money, but my, uh, my friendly bets on, on Tampa in the end, but, uh, but yeah, New York looks, looks solid. And it's a very, very hard building to play in. So if they do go, if Tampa does go into New York down 0-2, that's uh, it's pretty deadly. And after last night's game one win, Igor Shosturkin has got the crown of the number one goalie and goals saved above average now. He was like second and third most of the playoffs. He's number one now, 17.96. Ahead uh, of the guy that he beat last night, by the way, uh, Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, Shosturkin's just unbelievable right now. And he couldn't have done anything about the two goals. The one was a bullet-perfect shot by Stamkos, and the other was a pipe-and-in backhand from Andre Palat. There's nothing he would have done about any of those two goals. He's just dialed in right now. That's all you can say. Alex, uh, what did you think of last night? You know, it was interesting being on Twitter watching this game, and it seems like everybody just hates Tampa Bay right now, which is just funny. I'd like not like on a personal level, it seems like they just like they're tired of seeing this team win back-to-back cups, like with the Patriots all... years ago. Yeah, right. And, and yeah. yeah, you know, everybody was bitching, you know, last year about the whole you know Kucherov injury and the cap, you know, whatever, you know, holding them well, through the cap and whatnot. This is still this is one of the more fascinating teams to have watched over the last. 20 years, in my opinion, in, in the NHL. And this is coming from a Hawks fan who watched their dynasty run and seeing, you know, the Penguins over the years and seeing the LA Kings and even going back to the old uh, Red Wings in the 90s. This is one of the more fascinating title runs we've seen uh, in the NHL, if not in any of the four major sports. The way that they've been able to do it, it's not just been, you know, regular seasons, mind you. We're talking about, the, you know, pandemic being in the way of the bubble, the shortened season. Uh, you know, having to deal with injuries to key players and having to juggle things around and like I said, finding that resiliency, having the, the the wherewithal to be a team to win 18 straight off of a loss in the playoffs in any form or fashion, but to do that and also win two Stanley Cups in, in, in the in the making. It's phenomenal. And for people to just kind of, you know, get ready to write them off all of a sudden and everybody's jumping on board being a New York Rangers fan and, you know, already, you know, calling for the, you know, Oilers and Rangers or cat or uh, abs and Rangers in the finals. It, it's 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 absurd. Honestly, I mean, this is a Tampa team. They've won it twice in a row for a reason. Uh, and, and as great as Shesterkin is, I, I was a huge Igor Shesterkin fan right from the, from the jump. You know, he's one of the guys that backed, you know, like his first eight stars, I bet on him. Uh, he won eight in a row. Uh, he's definitely one of the top ten goalies in the league. But Andre Vasilevsky is the best goalie on planet Earth right now. And when he loses, he comes back with a vengeance and, and turns into a stone wall. And that's, I expect to see that, that same thing. Keep in mind, the Rangers, the way they got here, yes, you know, they, they played well, but, you know, they had fortune go their way. A lot of puck luck. 
you know, facing third string goalies and, you know, having key guys getting hurt in the, in the middle of series. Uh, you know, we talk, we talk about, you know, Sidney Crosby getting knocked out uh, in that game. And that's what, what kind of sparked their run in the first round. So uh, everybody's writing off Tampa Bay way too soon, in my opinion. And I think they're going to come back with a vengeance, just like they have 18 straight uh, games off of a loss before over the last couple of seasons. I, I like Tampa Bay tomorrow. And I think they're still alive in this series without a question. Yeah, and Seth Jarvis, of course, knocked out a game seven as well for uh, uh, Carolina when they played the uh, New York Rangers. But yeah, Crosby and then the series flipped when they were down 3-1. The Rangers came back 1-7, and seven, no question. There's two things you can't change in this world. One, people bitching and arguing about politics. And the other thing is recency bias. And you're right, people are going to see the New York Rangers last night rolling. They've won a bunch in a row. Tampa Bay, oh, maybe they're vulnerable. And now people forgot. That Tampa Bay may be you know eighteen and zero. Let's not forget that eighteen and zero since the start of the two thousand twenty playoffs. Off a loss in the playoffs for the Lightning on the line, of course, tomorrow night. Andrew. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I've been called a Rangers hater pretty much for the past three weeks, and it's made me look pretty bad. But uh, I've had a pretty successful playoffs besides that, you know. But I think that. Especially, I mean, as a Montreal Canadiens fan, I mean, look, a lot of the games last year against Toronto and Vegas, we had a really, really good goaltender. And yes, I said we. Um, <laughs> a, a really good goaltender and a great team that capitalized on chances when they had them, you know, whether it was a power play, whether it was a, a giveaway turned into a two-on-one. That's what I think the playoffs are all about. And that's what the New York Rangers have done. It's what they did in, in game uh, seven, where they got two power play goals and the first period protected that lead and moved on. But, you know, like, again, you already mentioned it. This is the first starting goaltender they've played in the playoffs so far. Shout out to Louis Deming. I mean, that's who they were going up against. Great run by him. Great stuff from him. And then you look, talk about Carolina, no Freddie Anderson. Uh, obviously I'm from the East coast, huge Nova, huge uh, Cindy Crosby fan here. And, Tough to see Truba. I mean, we're a betting show here. Someone should have set a betting line for how many guys Truba knocks out of the playoffs. Um, that would have been a good line to bet on because he's a tough guy, a lot of tough hits. Some of those were clean, though. Oh, of course, of, of course. Yeah. You know, and and yeah. people are scared to go in, you know, to his side now in the corners. But I think that the Rangers are peaking at the right time. And that old-fashioned saying, you know, big time players make big time plays in big time games. That's what we're seeing. I mean. Kreider to score a goal yesterday was like a really good plus price. Zabinajed playing well. Uh, Lafreniere is kind of coming into his own and on his line and creating different chances and being physical. So I got to give respect there. But everyone's going to talk about Vasilevsky and that record for him off a loss. How about the fact that Tampa lost 5 nothing to the Leafs in game one? Why is nobody going to talk about that? I want to talk about that. I mean, what a what a game. John Cooper is kind of like Bill Belichick in the media sometimes. Sometimes he's funny. Sometimes he's just very plain face. He's like, yeah, it's one game. He said, I think if we had both goalies in net, we probably still would have lost. Did you guys see that quote? I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so anyway, I, I think I give my credit to the Rangers, but I was hoping as a betting man, the Rangers wouldn't get win game one so I can get a better price on the series wager for Tampa Bay. And that's what I've done. And now I'm, I always tell people a lot of times you can wait to bet the series after yep. game one or game two, if it works out the way you wanted it to, just like it did with me uh, with the Colorado and Edmonton series. So um, that's what I really think. I think that uh, New York got the job done. Um, I think we will see a split going back, but of course we'll discuss that on, on tomorrow's show. So, you know, credit given to New York, but I'm not going to just lose my mind over it until I see them do it 
couple more times. Eight days off. I mean, what do people expect? I, I think that that's like, Carl, I got to ask you, like, you know, is that four days too many? I think I was saying yesterday, I had the over one and a half first period goals, expecting to have a, a quick start. I, I don't know. I just thought that eight days was too many. What do you think, Carl? Yeah, it is. It's, yeah. You just get out of it, right? Especially in a place like like Florida, where it's pretty easy to get your mind off of off of hockey and, and get on to other things. But but this is, I mean, this is the this is the semis, right? Like we're we're supposed to see good teams, good matchups, and it should be back and forth, right? So if we expect anything anything different, then I don't know what we're thinking because it, 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 this is going to happen. If a team, if the Rangers sweep. The, the Tampa Bay Lightning, everybody would be shocked, right? This is going to go back and forth. But I will say, and it happened it happened to, to me, Alex, you like asking minor league questions, happened to us in the minors in, in Hershey where we had we had 11 days off in between round uh, two and round three, and we came back and swept, which was very lucky. But then we had 12 days off in between round three and round four, and we hadn't lost a single game at home all playoffs, and we lost the first two at home. And so it's just because your mind is, is elsewhere, right? It's so yep. hard to come back into it after being, after being off. And it's even it doesn't matter if it's a Tampa Bay Lightning or not. Um, that, that just happens. But I want to say, like, at first I was against Tampa. When the playoffs started, I'm like, I want to see, I want to see, you know, someone else win this. And then I started thinking about it. I'm like, I'm at, like it'd be sweet to see a team win three times in a row. You know, like, when was the last time we've, we've had that opportunity? To see to see a team that's been that good, it's it's been a long time, right? So I'd love to I'd love to be able to be a part of that in a in a way, right? Like it was watching yeah, it yeah. in my prime of watching stuff, and so I think that would be that'd be kind of cool. Uh, but either way, it's going to be a very very fun series to watch, and I do like New York, and I love what McKinnon had said about him and McDavid. If that's going to bring more eyes and more pressure on the series, that's yeah. the same way I feel about New York with the escrow. I want New York to, to, to make it as far as possible too, because they're great for the escrow for the NHL. So. Yes. <laughs> in this series, you know, I, I, I want it to go both ways. So let's go game seven and, and have our fun with that one. There's never an issue with someone looking after their financial well-being. You're talking to a bunch of sports bettors here. Exactly. You know, yeah. That's pretty funny that McKinnon says that, though. Like yeah. in the middle of a press conference, he just brings that up. Yeah. Oh, it's always going through guys' heads. I promise you, it's always in the back of their heads. Like, it's it's so it's it's really really funny, but yeah, it was a, it's a great 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 quote by him. But uh, yeah, John Massey with a great uh, comment saying fans fan is short for fanatic by definition irrational. That's true. You know, they just get so wrapped up with their that team that you're right. They sometimes lose clarity of what uh, of the reality sometimes. And then Cheshire Cat's really going off the deep end here. If the Rangers sweep Tampa Bay, I'll stop watching hockey. I'll call it quits. Um, no, no, that's not happening. Uh, don't keep, don't make promises you can't keep. Come on, Cheshire Cat. Come on. It, don't make promises you can't. It's like the Leaf fan after they got knocked out by Montreal last year saying, I I'm done with this team. Let's go to Seattle. Let's cheer for the Kraken in the here now and become a fan of that team. No, you're going to be back there cheering the Leafs next year and five years from now and 10 years from now and 20 years from now. Okay, stop the nonsense, please. I'm begging you. Uh, anyway, uh, all right. Um, Carl's got to go, so we've uh, in a few seconds. So we'll 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 let him get his thoughts here on uh, Colorado and um, Edmonton tonight. First, uh, we've got Colorado minus one seventy home favorites. Uh, the total is seven here uh, in this game. Uh, I've got my thoughts. Uh, I think Edmonton's live tonight. Uh, I think Mike Smith is a bounce back goalie. 
Carl, I couldn't believe the nonsense on Twitter. We got a bench Mike Smith now moving forward, going into game two. That's the biggest load of shit. That's the biggest bunch of hooey and biggest crock of garbage I've ever heard. I mean, you don't do that for Mike Smith the way he's played. He's still like top three or four goalie and goal saved above average. The whole defensive effort from the Oilers was piss poor the other night uh, in game one. Uh, I'm glad he's going to be back in there. He bounced back after a rough game one when he got pulled against Calgary. I think he'll bounce back tonight, too. I think there's a back and forth series. I like Colorado in game one, and I said if they win game one, I think Edmonton, you know, in a series handicap bet or game two on the money line is a good look. Uh, they've got they've, and they showed in game one they they don't give up. They had the chance to tie that game late and they didn't even play that well. And they're down seven six and an empty net goal puts it away. I think Edmonton is still very much in this series. They need more from the whole crew. Maybe McDavid could have a bit of a better game, but you know Hyman to score a goal and a point. I love that prop again. I'm going right back to it. Carl, what do you think here? Oilers Avs game two. Yeah, I think we first of all shouldn't be surprised at all that people are saying fire Mike, uh, fire Mike Smith. You know, like that's just been the thing all season long. It's uh, yeah, everyone wants to say something about the goaltending. So it, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be a problem. He's 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 proven that he's been able to shake things off and, and get right back at it. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. Um, I I guess one of the things I love about about the Oilers. And what I absolutely really loved about the last series with them in Calgary is that you could go to bed in the second period and then wake up and the game has completely changed what you thought it was going to be. Right. Like the Oilers have the ability to completely explode and, and, and go for four goals in a period, no problem. And so the fact that, uh, that, that series went, uh, it was on the, I think it was on the ESPN or whoever it was TNT that was doing it. And they were joking about, you know, all we need to do is score, score, or not let in any more than four goals, and then we'll probably be able to to, to win this game. And you know, it's kind of the truth. It's the way yep. that it's the way that it's been going for them. And both these teams have the ability to score six six goals, seven goals plus in a in a game. So I I don't know. I I'm th- this is a series much like the the Battle of Alberta, where I would love to see it go go seven, and we can watch just a ton of a ton of pucks go in the net, and we can see uh, McDavid Drysaddle you know, end up with 40 points in the playoffs or, or, or more. I think, I think that would be great. Um, I, I, I still think Colorado's the better team, but um, you know, we've got a couple of injuries there. Shout out to Andre Burkowski, huge block shot uh, last game on a, on a shot. Oh, it was. Player. Yeah. You know, I, I love seeing that Berkey's not a guy that's known for a ton of block shots. So the fact that he, he did that, sent him a text right after just, just giving him a little praise because that's, you know, something that, that goes unnoticed by a lot of people, but that's uh, that was that was massive. But I don't know that he's going to be playing playing uh, the next game. So you know, unfortunate happens happens in the playoffs. But I, I still think Colorado's the the team team to play uh, in the series overall. But I'd expect uh, the uh, McDavid Drysidles to uh, make a pretty big push tonight. All right, and good stuff. And by the way, before we let Carl run here, because he's got to go in a few seconds, we have a special guest joining us. It's Craig Lachlan. It's someone that uh, Carl Alsner knows very well. Craig, welcome to the Ice Guys. How are you? Well, thanks a lot for that, Ian. You know, one of the things I like to see about this Caps team is how Ovechkin looks with that stick. He moves that puck so well, takes that puck to the front of the net, and really has a great stride in the neutral zone, too, to get it going, Joe B., 
And it's one of the things I really like about his game. He scores, he skates well, he has a big booming shot on the power play, Joe B. I just think Ovechkin's doing a great job here for the Caps. What do you think about that? There you go. <laughs> There's my uh, Craig Lachlan there. That's pretty good. Yeah, I think that's really good. He's going to throw in an OV every now and then, too. Oh, yeah, a little OV. That's yeah. a great shot by OV there. There you go. <laughs> Craig Lachlan, folks. Nice Thanks work. for joining us, Craig. Yeah. Been listening to him for years. One of the most unique voices, for sure, uh, in the Absolutely. NHL. All right. If you had to throw out a best bet, Carl, and then we'll let you go for tonight, what would it be? What would you take? It's just. Since I don't know any any anything about the props and anything like that, I'm going. Who, uh, what player would you think is going to explode tonight offensively? Explode your, well, team? because I don't want to pick uh, McDavid, Drysaitel. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with uh, how about how about a Landeskog? I kind of like uh, I like him to do something tonight. I like the player. All right, there you go, Gabe Landeskog. Uh, excellent. And look, Miko Rantanen, it was a good call by Ray on the BetCast, said it was due for him to show up and have a big night, and he scored a goal. So there we go. Remember that, Gabe Landeskog, uh, to uh, make it happen tonight for the Colorado Avalanche offensively. Carl, it was a pleasure. We'll let you go. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Good chat. Good luck with all your bets. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Take care. Take care, yeah. There he is, Carl Alsner, uh, with us here uh, on the uh, Ice Guys show. Uh, great job t- talking to him uh, throughout the uh, last hour. So, all right, Alex, let's go to you now. Game two, Western Conference final. Uh, by the way, I want to make it official. Edmonton for me, plus 150. I'm on that. I wouldn't. I have a smaller bet as well, plus two and a half games in series uh, with the Edmonton Oilers as well. Uh, it's a great time to jump in on that. I think they even up this series. I think we've seen this team show their medal, show their perseverance throughout these playoffs and look they didn't even play close to their best they need to play a whole hell of a lot better than they did in game one and still that game was seven six with a minute to go they're one shot away from tying the game they have a better game in them tonight mike smith has shown the ability to bounce back i think the oilers are live tonight alex uh, what do you think here at game two i think we see kind of more of the same as far as high scoring goals and and and, and the balance will be i think a little bit you know tit for tat in this one as opposed to just kind of seeing a Colorado just jump out to a, a furious uh, lead and then Edmonton have to have to rally back. But I think it's going to be a back and forth battle. Uh, the way these two teams play, they, we're not going to see a lot of, uh, of shut down defense. That's just not what they do. <laughs> and this is the time of year you, you just play your game. And, and if that's to roll the puck out and, and skateboard lines and, and get as many shots as possible. And yeah, you know, you, you're going to give up five or six goals, but you're going to score six or seven. Then that's just the way, you know, you, you, you dance with the girl that you, you brought to the dance. Uh, and what's got them there this far with Edmonton and Colorado is having, you know, this high octane offense and uh, not much defensive resistance. So I like the over. I bet over seven at minus $1.20, thinking that uh, I bet it literally 15 minutes after the bet cast uh, a couple of nights ago because I thought for sure that we're going to see seven and a halves. I'm shocked that we're only seeing it in maybe one or two books. We're seeing seven now minus $1.40 which this time of year, I wouldn't even talk anyone out of that either. I mean, this is a, this, you know, there's only a few games left. You can lay a dollar thirty or dollar forty in spots that you may not do during the regular season. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the side goes, I could see that going really either way. I know somebody in the chat was talking about the draw. I've seen that between plus three sixty and plus three eighty five. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked at all to see this game four four going in OT. Uh, and and with that, you know, you'd have to lean and maybe look at Edmonton at plus one fifty as opposed to laying the dollar seventy or even laying a dollar twenty in regulation with Colorado. So slight lean to Edmonton on, on the money line, but uh, I'm on the over seven. I like that a lot. I'll probably be looking to try to grab a first period over live like I did in game one. 
and uh, you know, kind of just look at that chip and those away. I don't really have any player prop uh, stuff for, for this game except maybe Landis Gog or Ranton, and you know, maybe looks for some of those bottom tier guys to kind of step up and get some goals. Nazem Kadri, uh, maybe a guy I would I would circle as well. But uh, the over seven is is my favorite play of this game. All right, like an over seven. I like the over two. It's a it's just a lean. It's not a bet for me yet. I'm gonna take my chance, and this could be you know taking my bankroll in my hands doing this, but I'm going to take a chance that we get five minutes of scoreless hockey, you know, at the beginning of the first period. I mean, we do, we should at least see these teams try in the early going to clamp down a little bit uh, defensively. And maybe that way I can get a six and a half. That's all I need. I'm, I'm not waiting around for five and a half. I just want a six and a half. And I'll, and I'll How come though, Ian? Like what, what about it is scaring you off? Like why, why take that risk in a series like this? Like that's, we just saw what we saw. I think because of what the, the game won, uh, type of game we saw. It was just up and down. It was trading chances. It was rush chances. It was transition games. It was not ironing out defensive coverages and bad communication and breakdowns left and right and just a furious pace. I think the coaches and probably the players on each team are going to want to quell it just a yeah. little bit. Yeah. But at the same time, what you're saying, Andrew, is there's just so much skill and four lines and six defensemen for Colorado. They attack as a five-man group every shift on the ice because yeah. the defensemen are always involved in the play every shift. And teams normally don't play that way, you know, with their defensemen every shift all game long, but Colorado does. And it just fuels the pace. It fuels the uh, scoring chances and ultimately the offense and the goals that we see. So it is a risk, uh, a flight risk, so to speak, to wait five minutes or six minutes. Like I'm going to try to, to get a six and a half in game, but I'm going to give it a shot. And one thing too, is that I didn't mention, obviously Pavel Francouz is going to be a starter here uh, because of Kemper being out with, what they're saying now, it was the eye injury from uh, the first round mixed with possibly concussion symptoms as well. That makes a huge difference because, one, you don't have to worry about Francois coming in cold uh, and, and having the, to just jump in the game and jump into the, to face all this Edmonton offense. He's going to be you know fresh and ready to start right off the bat. But, two, if Kemper was dealing with these issues beforehand and trying to battle through, uh, even with the, you know, the days off, and all of a sudden it just kind of came unraveled in, in game, then maybe that's the reason we saw Edmonton uh, why they were able to get their offense running. If, if, if he had been healthy or friends so started game one, maybe we see Colorado jump out of that big lead and Edmonton doesn't have a chance to rally back. So we will get to see something a little different with Francois being the, the starter right off the jump here. And maybe that does lend some credence to where we won't see as many goals in the first five minutes. So that kind of helps uh, Ian's better of, of getting that better adjusted number. And I think you got a great number, Alex, at minus 120. What I've been telling people today is that you're not getting that number anymore. So I think that I think that if you like the over, take the seven and a half now at plus money. And I think that the, the series is going to either squeak under or it's going to go like way over every, you know, I don't think there's going to be an over where you're like, ah, I wish I, you know, yeah, wish I played the seven. So it landed on seven. Like, you know what I mean? Like I can't see any four threes. If it's going to go over, I think we're going to see another like insane game. Maybe not like yet last game, eight, six, but I've been telling people all day, like usually on the show, I'll say if I can get five and a half minus one twenty five versus a six plus plus one hundred, I take that. Yeah. But in this instance, seven, seven and a half, you already think it's going to be a crazy game and not in your instance, like hats off to you for getting a minus one twenty. But now it's like we're getting a seven at minus one thirty five forty. Frigate, if you like it at that point, you might as well take the, the seven and a half, you know, but yeah. for me. I'm already on the plus two and a half series gains for Edmonton. Like uh, Ian was just talking about um, in this game. Look, one guy I like quite a bit, and I know everyone will say, cause I'm a Habs fan and he's a former Hab player, but Arturi Lekkonen's prop just to get a point 
remains at a really good number. Guys, there were 14 goals last game. I hope if anybody was a prop player, you picked a winner because it'd be hard to pick a he didn't loser get a last point. Game. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, he got a point last game. Yeah. Yeah. Who didn't? Oh, who, who didn't, didn't get yeah, a point? Who didn't, in that yeah, game? yeah, exactly. <laughs> you could have picked anybody. And also, I mean, yeah. Evander Kane plus 150. That's just like too, too good of a price to not bet again to get a goal. 13 goals, 13 games. Makar over one and a half points. How do you not bet that again? And probably my favorite prop bet of the playoffs this year, I've mentioned a few times on our show, Devontae's to get a point. How the hell do we still get minus 130-ish with him to get a point when he's a pairing with yeah. McCarr and always out there with great players? One stretch right. pass up to McKinnon, boom, you score a goal. I mean, you get it, you get an, I mean, eight goals for a team, and you get a you know, top line defenseman at minus 130 to get a point. I think that's kind of a joke. So um, yeah, those are the plays I like. I actually haven't gotten involved yet on the game. I lean towards the Oilers, but again, I, I kind of have that plus two and a half for a strong wager. So I'll be cheering for them just to kind of, you know, that's still kind of them, them win to win the, win Get it the to game six. Tonight. Get it to six. Yeah. 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 So I don't want to, uh, to use the quote that, uh, Ian liked, I'm kind of already pot committed a little bit. So, yep. uh, I might not get back involved again until, uh, the sh series shifts to Alberta. Would you guys agree with me saying this, that we might not see an under until game three, potentially game four in Alberta? Uh, that's It's possible. You could see one tonight, believe it or not, but I don't trust uh, I don't trust it to see one tonight. That wouldn't be shocked if we don't see an under this whole series. Yeah. <laughs> Love it, Alex. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> the, the one thing is Mike Smith is usually good after getting pulled, and he does play a lot better after a rough game. He will tonight. That could help the under. Fransos was very, very, very good. In yeah. I, I think we got to give Pavel Fransos a lot of credit. He played great. He really did uh, coming in uh, for Kemper uh, in game one. I thought he played as good as I've seen him play all year, but now he's a starter. Edmonton knows he's the starter. You know, he got more tendencies that you know about what this goalie is like in the crease. And is he going to be able to back it up and play that well again? Tonight's a question. And that's a big thing with Mike Smith. He's got to have a, at least a better first period because if he does have another rough start and gives up a few goals and gets pulled again, then that's it. Uh, like I said, I said it during the, the back cast, you know, you, you got to give him one more chance to start. But if you have to pull him again, you got to go with Koskinen the rest of the way, no matter what, uh, unless there's an injury. Uh, because that that's just now at that point, it's, it's definitely going to get to, to Mike Smith's head. We've seen the mental, you know, ups and downs he's gone with over the last several years with different teams. Uh, I just don't think that you have a chance winning the series if you have to pull him again uh, in, in game two. So that is something to, to definitely look at uh, from a kind of like, you know, long board form uh, view of, of the series. Yeah, no question. Uh, there's definitely, like I say, I'm going to briefly mention, like I said, Zach Hyman and uh, to score a point, even though it's minus 150, and to get a goal, I'm seeing even plus 200 still. Still, for Zach Hyman, you're getting around plus 200 to score a goal for him. Uh, that's just insane insane pricing that you can't pass up, at least I can't, uh, with uh, what he's been doing lately. Uh, Lekkanen is Colorado, as uh, Andrew mentioned. Yeah, I, I definitely think there's uh, that whole line. You know, Kadri had uh, an another goal and a point. You know, he's always worth a look as well Hyman, right now, even especially Edmonton. shots on goal. Yeah. Not great value anymore, but Hyman, I'm pretty sure I got him at like a 135, maybe 30 to get a point last game. Not not even a goal, a point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it, they've, they have moved that one up. It's up to about minus 150 with him to get a point tonight. So. Yeah. Has been a little, but not not on the goal prop. It's still plus two hundred. And Hyman, when you look at the goals, he's got two, three, four, five, six, seven 
goals in the last six games, and he's on a six-game goal streak for the uh, Oilers coming into tonight, Zach Hyman. So goes without saying, that's my num- that's my favorite prop of any any player on either of these two teams tonight. Uh, it's Zach Hyman uh, for sure. And, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl, as much as we think, they could explode tonight, right? It, it, McDavid in particular had an okay game one. I think he could take it to another level. He's going to be looking to explode, but there's never the best price or the best number or the best value to take Connor McDavid props yet he could smash you know his over points tonight even though it's and it is one and a half minus 136 that's not bad I still might take a little on that over one and a half minus 136 because I think this is that strong bounce back effort in game two kind of night for the Edmonton Oilers so McDavid over one and a half points at minus 135 minus 140 I I might get involved with that as well uh, here in game two tonight uh, all right, there it is. Game two, Western Conference final. Long show. We had a lot of great topics to get through with our guest there, Carl Alsner. It was, and it was worth it. Talking World Juniors, that great team, and his years in the NHL, what he's doing now. Uh, great stuff. Great show. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Hit the like button. Make sure you do that on the way out. DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just one dollar on any NHL team. Get one hundred fifty dollars in free bets if they win. If DraftKings Sportsbook isn't available in your state, you can play for huge cash prizes with. DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings app, sign up for an account, use the promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 years of age or older, must reside in a DraftKings Sportsbook state. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Download the DraftKings app. Sign up for an account. Use the promo code THPN. I'm also going to jump in on Evan Bouchard to get a point, plus 165. That's a great – and I think the power yeah. play is going to click tonight for the Edmonton Oilers. He shoots the puck a lot. Uh, he's been active on the power play. I like that Evan Bouchard point prop as well uh, for the Yeah, what do you think Zach Cassian was last game to get a point? Oh, my God. The price, they they didn't the even list it. That? He probably wasn't even listed, to be honest. Yeah, usually yeah. the third and the uh, – see, he's not listed for points anywhere tonight. Right. It's because of his place in the lineup. So – he probably couldn't have even bet his point. <laughs> plus five hundred. Yeah, plus yeah it, it probably would have been something big uh, if they had listed it for sure. But uh, yeah, Evan Bouchard, I like that point prop for the Oilers tonight. Uh, wouldn't surprise. They might be a good power play points uh, team to look at, kind of like the Rangers last night, where if you took some of those power play points props with the Rangers, you did well. Edmonton might be that team. I think that man advantage is going to come through for them tonight. Uh, when they get those opportunities. All right, best bets to wrap it up. It's been a hell of a great show. Alex, uh, we'll start with you. What do you like for best bet? Yeah, if you shop around, you'll still be able to find some books that have seven instead of seven and a half, and you're only laying a dollar twenty to a dollar twenty-five. So I'm going with that as my best bet. Uh, like I said, I just don't see much defense happening between these two teams. That's just not their styles. And this is the way you win championships at this point in, this, in the stage. Now, you talk about defense wins championships, but no, you have to play your style of hockey. These are two teams that like to go up and down the ice and uh, you know, pretty much just kind of rely on their offense. So that's what we're going to have to do here. Uh, and I expect it to see to be an, a, a more balanced game, but definitely a high scoring game, uh, just like game one. So I'm going over seven at minus a dollar 20 is my best bet. All right. And I think you mentioned jumping on that right away Tuesday night, right after, right at the end of the bet cast. I, bet, I, I literally bet it. We, we got off the air and I, and I clicked the close the screen and went to, to my book screen and bet it. So. 
There you go. Exactly. So that minus 120, he got it before it moved up a little bit. So over 7, minus 120, Edmonton, Colorado, game 2, uh, best bet for Alex B. Smith. Yeah, plus 125 or so at BetMGM for both teams to score first period. You know how quickly that cashed for us in game 1 on the bet cast. You know, I'm even as someone that's hoping for a scoreless 5 minutes, you could still get that both teams to score, even if there's 5 minutes with no goals early. You could still get 1-1 by the end of the first period with these two teams. So I wouldn't talk anyone out of that. In fact, I might still take it that first period, both teams to score at plus 125. All right, Andrew, best bet. Look, uh, Ian and I both like this, and uh, I think it's a serious wager. I'm going with the plus two and a half games for Edmonton in the series. That's going to be my best bet for today's show. Uh, obviously, that's not really as much actionable info for tonight's game. So I'll go ahead and continue to ride Devontae's to get a point. That's up at minus 135 now at DraftKings. Um, I've just been shocked how much it really hasn't moved, I guess. How little it's moved, I should say. So I love that series price, plus two and a half in the Oilers. I've been pushing that all week. But uh, for tonight, we'll go Devontae's to get a point. Five points in the last four games uh, for Devontae's. Four consecutive games with a point and two points for Devontae's in the game one victory. Devontae's to get a point. Uh, for uh, Andrew McGinnis with his uh, best bet. Uh, my best bet's going to be Edmonton as well, but I'm going to do the full game money line tonight uh, for game two uh, as my best bet. I really do think we're going to go back to Edmonton 1-1. Uh, we've seen this team lose game one to LA, win game two. Lose game one to Calgary, win game two. Much tougher opponent, admittedly, uh, the Colorado Avalanche. But I think the Oilers have shown the resilience required to bounce back after a tough start to a series, and they'll do so tonight. Let's not forget they played nowhere close to their best in Game 1, and that was 7-6 and one shot away from going to overtime uh, in Game 1. I think the Oilers have a better game in them, and I think they're live. Edmonton, plus 150 uh, for my best bet here for this uh, Game 2 Western Conference Final for the Thursday show. All right, that'll wrap it up. Thanks to everyone in the chat for joining us. Hit the like button on the way out. Uh, a reminder, the Ice Guys is live seven days a week, although we're getting to the point where it won't be seven days a week anymore. As we get to the Stanley Cup Final, we'll only be on on game days, but we're on Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Download the Ice Guys podcast when you can't watch the show live. Remember, we're on twice tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern, Daily Show. Chris Corgan, our special guest, with us tomorrow. And then tomorrow night, the BetCast, our next live BetCast, Game 2. Eastern Conference Final, Lightning and Rangers. Game 2, 8 p.m. Eastern, our next BetCast tomorrow night. Same as always, DM me uh, if you want to join us uh, on the BetCast tomorrow night. Looking forward to that. For Alex B. Smith and Andrew McGinnis and our special guest, thanks to him, Carl Alsner, as well. I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Thursday. Enjoy the games and good luck. We'll talk to you again tomorrow on Friday. Double Dip of the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.